0: Hi Chris, how are you?
1: Good evening Rod. All is well on the very soggy day. Yourself? Yeah, very similar. All your snow gone? We didn't really get any snow. To be fair, it was never really here. It it lasted for about an hour, I think.
0: We had a reasonable amount. I got my daughter is seventeen. She doesn't remember snow ever falling in Swansea, so this was a big deal.
1: Wow. Okay, I didn't realise that. I mean my my children are only nine and eleven, and they've had snow every few years, so they've they're certainly well aware of it, and. I think we had, we had we had quite a bit just before Christmas here, so where we where we couldn't drive on roads, whereas this time was largely uneventful.
0: Yeah, we we are on the beach, so you get less snow anyway because of the salt in the air and all the rest of it. But it's definitely been less than I remember in in many many years, for many many years.
1: Wow. Okay. So so quite a thing then. I mean, obviously I've got nine and eleven year old. They love it when it's nice. It's it's a bit of a treat, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Well, I quite liked seeing it as well. I got to say, it was gone by lunchtime. But you know, we had a decent. We had a couple of centimeters. It was quite nice to see.
1: Fair enough, fair enough. Shall we get straight into follow-up?
0: Yeah, well, I think we should name the show. This is Awake From Sleep, episode 60 for the 13th of March, 2023.
1: Why don't for keeping me true.
0: Now we can fire on a follow-up. This one's for you. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so first off, I was just going to ask you, we spoke a few weeks ago about PIN codes, and we were saying that there's a lot of shoulder surfing going on, and I just wanted to ask you, are you a PIN code kind of guy that just has a numeric PIN code, or do you have an alphanumeric you know, a word or or a sentence or whatever it may be to unlock your phone or your Mac? Like, do you do them differently?
0: Yes. So my Mac I'll deal with first. I have a password on my Mac. I also have my Apple Watch on my wrist. So nine times out of 10, my Apple Watch will unlock my Mac when I get near to it. Failing that, I've got a password I put in my phone. I have got an alphanumeric. I've got a six digit. I'm not giving anything away by saying that. Six digit. No, I've got a six digit purely numeric code. So the, the keypad code comes up and that's what I hit.
1: We are in the same place. I don't know why. I, I have thought about doing an alpha numeric code on my phone, but I kind of figure it asks me too often, and it, it's me really in a shoulder for me. I don't know. I think it it's depends.
0: Yeah, it is a risk, and it's that risk-reward balance, isn't it? I think if somebody gets your phone, you're in a world of hurt. You really are. And I might, given all that recent coverage of, of I know ATP and other podcasts have been talking about it as well, I might, if I was traveling somewhere where I felt particularly vulnerable, think about moving to at least a password in, in in that instance just at least for that trip but in the run of the mill of the everyday life where i'm on a train or i'm going to london or i'm sat in the park locally i think i'll stick to my pin code
1: okay that, that was all i wanted to know oh one side note if you wanted to have a longer pin code apparently if you go alphanumeric and put in a longer pin code i.e 10 characters but it's still just numbers you still use the number keypad when you come to enter it so you can have longer than six digit number only just yeah as a by, by the way
0: that's a good that's a good top tip actually and if you wanted to use say a phone number that was particularly memorable or something then it's going to be harder for the shoulder surfer to remember you know a 10 digit number than it is a six or, or certainly a four
1: yep no I, I was just curious it's always good just to straw man what what other people do i know my wife and my children they're all just pin codes but i wonder if that, how that will change over the years
0: well, you think about it, we've already gone from, well, in my case, four to a six-digit PIN code. So it's got a little bit longer than it used to be anyway. And, I, you know, I, I could see it getting longer again.
1: And we went from no PIN code to a four-digit one, and then we've gone four to six. So, yeah, now I can see it. I'm curious to see, actually, and maybe we need to circle back to this after Apple do their develop, developer conference in the summer. Will they have made any changes on this? Or For me, I doubt it's probably not enough time will have elapsed between this news and the new iOS release coming out but it'll be curious to see if they make some changes to some of this stuff over the next year or so
0: yeah maybe you'll be putting your uh, your key into your phone every single time you want to unlock it or something like that something you have to unlock your phone as well I do
1: have the I can't remember if I've said it on the podcast I have done the key thing where you if you want to log into a new device you need to use my key, which is like a, a little USB stick it looks like a thumb drive I have set all that up actually so I feel quite confident if somebody was going to really go for my account that i should be okay but i don't think you need your Yubi key to reset your password which was the original thing that we started talking about so i i think there'll be more changes coming i reckon and i think it'll be within the next 12 months because it may not be with the major news that comes out in the autumn it will probably come after that would be my gut
0: yeah i think that's reasonable good interesting you've got all the follow-up this week second items with you too
1: Yeah, we were talking about the, I don't know how to pronounce it, the Pagi app, P-A-G-I. We were talking about it the other week and the issues the the developer had getting it on the App Store. But what I noticed is they actually offered up the source code. You could go and download it from GitHub. So I downloaded it and went and had a poke around. Very nice source code. Very neat. Works on iOS, iPadOS, and on the Mac. And it was really interesting just to see an app. It's a simple text editor. It's got theming. It's really well done, but really nice source code. And it I'm a wannabe developer, so it was nice to go and have a look and see how somebody has structured the app and what a real app looks like that's aimed at multiple operating systems. But I just thought it was very interesting and great. The developer offers it up for free if you want to go and learn from it. They're yeah, really good.
0: Yeah, that's, that is interesting. I should probably go and have a look myself. And if I remember, I'll remember I put the link in the show notes as well if anybody is interested in going and checking it out. It's probably on GitHub. I'll have, I'll have a decent poke around in a minute. So no, I think that's a, it's a really useful thing to have done. It's nice to look at these things, see so your apps are developed. There is something in making your app open source that I think improves the documentation as well. If other people are going to be looking at your code, it's going to force you to go out and make sure it's nicely documented.
1: Yeah you want to have it to a certain standard don't you I also downloaded net newswire source code which is an rss app been going for a long time it's a lot more complicated that's all i'm going to say i think the the paggy app was a good place to start if you and like me, if you don't really know what you're doing. And so, I, yeah, I enjoyed having a look around it, actually.
0: Well, the other one that might be worth considering is IceCubes, which is the Mastodon client that we recommended well. That is also open source and you can download it. And that developer has the most amazing turnaround schedule, the iterations on that. He's almost putting out a point release every day. It's incredible.
1: It must be great to be a developer doing that because you've got a real sense of, I'm getting something done, I'm, I'm launching it, I'm moving on to the next thing. Whereas when you end up at a bigger company, the wheels turn a, a little bit slower.
0: Yep. Very good. Okay. And the, and the third item is also with you.
1: i item. Just briefly, you and I obviously have been talking about sleep and monitoring our sleep. And just coincidentally, the i newspaper in the UK at the weekend had a double page, double page spread all about sleep and tips and tricks. And then at the same weekend, I was also listening to the Diary of a CEO podcast. And if you ever heard that, it's got Stephen Bartlett on it, one of the dragons from Dragons Den. And he interviews lots of CEOs and some famous people. And it's not just CEOs, by the way. It's some famous people or healthy, health-related people. They could be doctorates. They could be professors. They could, like I say, be CEOs, just be a celebrity. Like he's had Mal C on there. He's had Richard Branson on there. But this week, he had a gentleman called Matthew Walker, who I don't know. But he has a PhD in sleep, basically, and he studies sleep. But it just seemed very timely that you and I had spoken about sleep for the previous two weeks. And then here we are, both a newspaper and a podcast. We're also trying to, you know, trying to raise everybody's awareness of the importance of sleep and that it's not like a bank account. You can't pay it back six months later. So sleep's really important and we should all get circa eight hours and make sure it's good sleep and not be reading on your phone for a half an hour and doom scrolling and and all, all of those things so I'm, i quite enjoyed it but just thought it was very timely
0: no it's good considering what we've been talking about I'll, I'll share an anecdote of a doctor i used to work with who was bid to take early retirement and he was a fairly senior doctor he'd you know been a doctor since he what 23 24 by the time he'd qualified and he said he retired and he says he slept more or less for six months He thought the sleep debt he'd built up through years of being on call, you know, not being able to do this, getting woken up early most mornings, having to go to work, do all the things that he had to do, had accumulated to such a point, and I take the point that's not how it actually works, but I just thought that was amazing for somebody who's obviously been continually sleep deprived in all their professional career, then actually getting the time to at least try and make some sort of effort on on getting that back must be quite a feeling
1: yeah people say that doesn't it It catches up with you and sometimes you just need to stop six months seems like a a long time but one thing that they have said on on various sleep podcasts and i think it was in the newspaper as well that you shouldn't have a line at the weekend you should try and keep your schedule going and i'd like a line at the weekend i think it's a bit of a treat but they're basically saying you should have the same same schedule and have your body in you know like your body likes routine basically is what they were saying
0: yeah, that makes sense. And I completely understand that. You know, we've got the sort of day-night schedule we've got, which can get flipped around if you become a night shift worker. And, you know, I, I understand how that works too. But yeah, I think trying to maintain that sort of scheduling is probably quite good, but I'm with you. I don't mind a little bit of a lion at the weekend.
1: Uh, I'm definitely a fan of a lion.
0: Not that that may be the healthiest thing to do, but there you go. You heard it here first. We're both doing it.
1: I'm have a treat. treat yourself
0: though. Have we got any more follow-up or do we fire into the news?
1: I think that's it. The only thing I will fess up is I said I'd continue wearing my Apple Watch to bed. I have done, but a few nights I've forgotten. I've put it on the charge stand and then I've forgotten to put it back on. So, and again, I need to work that into my routine. But I will continue to collect the data over the next, I don't know, month, say, and then we maybe have a look at, look at it over the longer term.
0: Yeah, I think that'll be interesting, actually, considering we've both got, you know, relatively similar schedules I would have thought you know up fairly early in the morning more or less a nine-to-five job all of the you know the areas of that move around a little bit as well It'd be quite interesting you have younger kids than I so maybe you're a bit a, bit, a little bit more infrequently I don't know
1: I wouldn't have thought so thank you know the children sleep through the night no no issues there I am the last one up in the house five days of the week well probably seven days of the week to be fair
0: yeah I, I don't miss the days of them getting you up far more frequently
1: no, I'm happy that that is over. Okay, Moving right, into news.
0: Into news. So first story, we were talking about app projections with the Pagi, Pagi, app a minute ago. And this is another one that I actually found really surprising. So a company that you and I both know quite well, Panic, have had their game, Untitled Goose Game, rejected from the Mac App Store. And Untitled Goose Game was a bit of a hit, actually, when it came to PC a few years ago. It was a few years ago at this point, yeah. Really fun, Lots of the idea of being a goose and you grow being a nuisance. No more than that not being a nuisance in the town and apple rejected it not once but twice and then they gave up and i just thought this was a fascinating story
1: yeah well i think there's two things here one obviously it's a game It, it had lots of press attention at the time panic the publishers of the game have been prevalent on the mac on the apple platform i don't know since system insert really old number here because they they wrote the ftp client they wrote a a precursor to iTunes and they, they were even meeting Apple to become the next iTunes, but for whatever reason, it didn't happen. So they've got a lot of history with Apple and then they try and launch this game and it doesn't get on there. They they listed the first reason for it not not, not being accepted is so you couldn't skip the, the intro and they said you can if you push space bar and then it got rejected again, but they didn't go into why it got rejected the second time. But I guess though, if, if they're going to complain about how you skip the credits in the game, you kind of struggle to get your games approved. And at a time when Apple really need to get some games on the Mac, it's really surprising that, that that they do this to that level. And yet they let scammy apps on, but they, they complain at a game developer for skipping credits.
0: Yeah. And, you know, with all the fallings out that they've had with Epic and others, you know, this was a game, it was the 2019 Game of the Year, apparently with the Dice Game of the Year Awards. It's been out since 2019. Fantastic. Well-regarded, as you say, from a publisher that has a long and storied history of working with Apple get rejected twice without decent reasons, in in my view. And then they go and they publish it on Steam in the Epic Store, one of Apple's rivals. And, you know, if you look today at Metacritic for Untitled Goose Game, you'll find it's got a Metascore of 81 with a user score of 7.5. So very highly rated, very highly thought of. And Apple have missed all that.
1: Yeah, and Apple even went to great lengths to get Panic back on the App Store with Transmit when they were relaunching the Mac App Store. And yet they seem to have undone that goodwill by what feels like very, very minor quibbles. I don't know, it just still seems very poorly handled.
0: Well, extremely poorly handled. And it just, it shows how they really, really have got developer relations so badly wrong. It's not just the new people who are enthusiastic about the platform and come and using it, like Padgy that we've talked about and, and Ice Cubes and others, but also established long running Mac developers. Is it because they were bringing a handheld to market? Is that why they got rejected?
1: Mm, seems an odd one though, doesn't it? I mean, a black and white, you know, games console, which is pretty niche.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I'm just, I'm clutching at straws trying to think of a reason why you wouldn't want a highly successful popular game that would sell units on your app store, which they'd take between 15 and 30% of. It makes no sense to me.
1: I agree with you. It all seems bonkers. But I don't think we can explain the app store rules at this point. No, it doesn't make an awful lot of sense.
0: Anyway, in puzzlement, I think we should move on to the next story.
1: Yes, what we've got here, App Store announcements. I think it's one you put in.
0: Yeah, this is one I put in. So, this is just a sort of commentary from a few people on the App Store and how adverts have been taking over people's screens, really. So, the first one, and it's linked from Michael Tsai's blog, which is a great blog if you're interested in links and sort of ongoing things in the Apple news world. Adam Chandler, for example, says 150% of my iPhone 14 Pro Max's screen on the App Store today screen is occupied by advertisements that aren't relevant to my interest. Another one from Mario Guzman. I got hit by two Apple ads this morning. What is this? Apple store for Apple Valentine's Day or music and you immediately get an ad for the Apple Super Bowl halftime show. When did Apple get so spammy? And this is the problem, isn't it? Is are spamming? People who have bought phones are undoubtedly paying for the services. Music, they're, they're, if you're opening up music, then the chances are you're paying for music as well. What is going on?
1: this is Apple pushing services and trying to drive adoption of apps. They do that when you're buying your phone. Do you want to buy Apple care? Oh, don't forget your free Apple TV plus. Don't forget Apple music trial. They are getting more spammy as life goes on. And I do think as they are pivoting into more of a services business, they're forgetting some of their morals from, I don't know, insert number here, 20 years ago of, you know, we want it to be a good experience. We won't do what the others do. And actually they're leading the way in what the others are doing. I think with all the adverts and, it does feel a bit... It does cheapen the experience. I don't like it.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree. That If you're paying for it, either make it cheaper. So it's obvious. You know, TVs are subsidized. That's why they're so cheap, because they're watching what you watch. You know, they want to know what you're doing. Uh, this, is, this is the same case. You know, Android phones are cheaper because they're getting subsidized for whatever reason. You know facebook offered a very cheap phone once upon a time and we all saw how that went so i just i don't like this at all i think it's a step too far i understand they want to sell services but they should sell the services on their own merits not by sticking ads in your face all the time for something else you know i don't mind quite so much you know the levels of of pain points of being upsold apple care because i'm going to ignore it and after you ignore it a couple of times it goes away but these things, there's no getting away from an an, uh, an ad in the App Store if you're looking for things. And the ads combined with often being for the spammy apps, as we talked about last week, with the two-factor authentication apps. You know, even if you search for Authy, you are being presented with an advert for one of the spammy apps because Authy are not advertising in that way, or One Password. This is a real problem. You know, you're trying to keep users in your platform and convince them don't go inside. Load it's the Wild West. You'll have spam and viruses on your phone, and then you're serving the spam and viruses and ads yourself bad
1: look oh i completely agree it's kind of the same when you watch apple tv plus which i've done a lot of recently every time you watch the show you get you know get a trailer it's like just play me the show i don't need a trailer every episode and it reminds me as the children were watching a disney dvd about a few months ago and you get like five trailers before you get to the menu screen to play the film and i, th- I worry apple's going down that avenue and it, it it's really frustrating offer me trailers but let me pick when I watch them. Don't put them on as pre-rolls. Disney Plus don't do it. Why do you do it? And I think they are so hell-bent on pushing all their other services, they're forgetting where they've come from, and it's... I don't know. It's grating with me.
0: I'm with you. I mean, we're going to talk about Apple TV. We may as well talk about it now, and I'll talk about Apple TV at the same time. So uh, the next story is Apple TV have issued a, f- a remote for the Siri, a fix for the remote problem that we observed a, a couple of weeks back about the USB-C remote disconnecting all the time from uh, Apple TV. So that's great. Well done for fixing it. I'll, uh, I'll now go back to whinging about what it was going to be. Why is it? Go on.
1: I was going to say, how many releases has it taken to fix the remote?
0: Well, it's ridiculous. You know,
1: Because it's been out there. Uh, what since version 16.1 say yeah so that's 16.2.3 plus the plus the minor point updates that's like five versions at least of tvOS it's taken to fix a remote it feels very
0: yeah or for the basic functionality of the remote you sell with the device should work reliably when you want to do something you know and let's face it Agreed. the first the first thing i want to do is a skip those ads you just talked about you know, I want a little button to say, "I don't show me ads." I, I, you know, I don't. I'm, I'm doing a bit of a binge here. I don't need it. And second, the intro. I don't need to see the. Sorry, I don't need to see the the recap of the show. I just immediately went on to the next episode of.
1: Yeah, have some smarts.
0: Yeah, it's not hard, is it? Oh, they just watched this. It's the same show, and they've continued to watch. It. In fact, I did a little countdown and automatically moved you on to the next one. But I'm still going to show you the, you know, the the recap of what happened before. I know what happened before. I just watched
1: it. It's like when you go to the iTunes store and it goes some films you may like, but you know I've already bought that film. So why are you showing it to me again for 4.99 or whatever it is? So I'm with you on this. I think there's all this talk of AI and getting smarter, but there are some actually real cases where it's just some simple logic. Have I watched this? The episode within the last hour, say. Well, then don't show me the recap. Yeah. You know, just some very simple things they could do. Just erode a little bit of a friction, I think. But Seemingly, AI is not going to be used for that. We're going to do some weird and wonderful stuff.
0: I, I mean, the whole thing just really upsets me. Why do I find it so hard to find a show that I've been watching? You know, I've been watching picture at random that I might talk about later. Hello, tomorrow. And I go away and I come back. Why isn't it at the top of my queue to find it and press play on again? Why is it vanished into the ether down on the, under the page fold somewhere to go and find it? It's just,
1: a, it's not a great experience. I, I completely agree. I, I think it's, it is rubbish. And Apple used to be the, the experience company. And I, I yeah. think they're, they're, they're letting it erode little by little.
0: I, I think I'm falling into whinging here a little bit about it. At least they fixed the remote. That's something so you can may, maybe skip it if you get there in time.
1: Did you buy a new Apple TV you were talking about it at one point?
0: I was talking about it. I'm uh, The more I think about it, the more I'm just going to stick on the Sonos route. The re, I, the, my sort of thinking was I'd upgrade my Apple TV, I'd move some speakers around, and I'd, I'd run my HomePods through the Apple TV with the, the EAC, not EAC, the eARC connection. But I'm quite happy with my Sonos speakers, and Sonos just dropped two new speaker forms in the last week as well, which, one of which I'm quite interested in. So I'm just going to stick to Sonos for the moment. It works reliably. Hundred percent of the time, which I can't say about choosing to play music on my HomePod.
1: Future show, we should have a look at the new Sonos hardware that's come out and see how it compares to the Apple hardware. As I'm not in the market for anything right now, but if I were, what should I ha- have a look at? So I'd be interested just to do a little comparison. Maybe we can do that as a tech review if there's a slow month of what it looks like from the armchair rather than us actually purchasing anything.
0: Well, I'm vaguely thinking about purchasing one of them anyway. Well, the cheaper one, not the more expensive one. But yeah, I think we should do that.
1: Okay, next up, the Guardian is going back to the Apple News app. Uh, yeah. I th- when I when I read this, apparently the Guardian left Apple News in 2017. I didn't know the Apple News app was around in 2017. That That feels a long time ago. That means we've had it for six years.
0: It's not good enough for a six-year-old app.
1: I use it all the time. I generally do because it actually sources quite a few things I'm interested in: bit of Formula One, bit of news in the UK generally, and what's going on. I actually saw Swansea on there earlier today that somebody, some poor family, had a gas explosion in Swansea. So I do use it a little bit just to gauge what's going on. But I'm normally on the Financial Times website because I have a subscription or the BBC News. But um, I don't know. For me, it, it scratches an itch. I don't use the News Plus stuff anywhere near enough that would warrant me buying it but it is included in my bundle so i agree with you on the on the app side it's interesting that the garden had gone back to it though so i wonder i'd like to understand more the mechanics of how how it works how they make some revenue out of this
0: yeah so there's a whole thing here isn't there i think news plus was meant to be the savior it's not news would aggregate some news sources into one place for you news plus Give some sort of things that were behind a paywall or a subscription service. Not 100% of them, but enough of them to become useful. So in some cases, well, you might go on.
1: I know, I was going to say there's two things when you use Plus, isn't there? There's one, it will give you some things that are behind a paywall table like the times or the guardian for example and then the other is it will give you magazines i've got that right haven't
0: I? yeah you have got that right you wouldn't get the guardian until very recently and i didn't always like all the new sources that were in there so let's say for example you wanted to block the sun which was a new source that was in there and you never want to see stories for all of them if you say i don't want to see this it would still gray it out and offer you the headline of what it was
1: anyway yeah that was rubbish because I did that with either the mirror or the sun or, or something in the UK I wasn't that fussed about, but you could still have, it still took a big block of space. And it's like, oh well, no, surely you want to put some, use your AI again and stick something clever in there that, that, that should supplement it. But yeah, that's quite basic, isn't it?
0: That's not even AI. That's a P list or, or a file going, don't show that, you know, there's, there's no smarts needed for that.
1: Uh, I, I'm i with you. I think I, I like bits of it. And I probably use it. I use it obviously way more than you they do dip in just, just to get a read on what's going on. But I think it is just a disappointing experience.
0: So this specific story, The Guardian coming back, I think is a reasonably big deal. Lots of news sources left Apple News because of the revenue sharing, I think. So as with all the things that Apple involve, A, you get potentially a lot of eyeballs looking at what's going on. You're The Guardian, you know, you've got a decent viewership, readership in the UK and certainly Canada and maybe Australia. I think there's, there's offshoots of The Guardian that exist in other countries as well. So... Apple have lots of phones, their users have lots of money, as has been demonstrated, that many of them are likely to pay for Apple News Plus, therefore you might get your Guardian, Telegraph, Times, whatever the UK newspaper of choice that's in there, in there, and get a bit of revenue without having to go off and subscribe to the Guardian or the Times or the Sun or whatever it is in their online form. So I get the appeal, but obviously the the economics of it weren't right for the Guardian back in 2017 but something must have changed. Maybe they're getting a sweeter deal that Apple are actually trying to move News Plus forward or something else has changed in the market. Maybe their own viewer numbers are de- de- declining and they see lots of News Plus people coming through or Apple on fo- people on Apple phones coming through their website to get things. So this is quite interesting.
1: I think, yeah, I think it is interesting. I'd love, like I say, to know more of the mechanics behind it. I think that's what I'm missing here. But obviously we're never going to be told that. And maybe Apple have reached out with a, with a deal or something that's just for the Guardian to get them back on it. Who knows?
0: I mean, I'm a happy Guardian subscriber in the Guardian app. It's slightly annoying every so often that it doesn't do the greatest job of realizing them. Like once a month, you need to go back in and remind it. No, no, I have paid my, you know, my Apple upgrade, my Apple in-app purchase fee to do this and it renews and then it goes away quite happily and does it. But it's a good app, works really well. I do consume quite a lot of my news there. We've talked before about Balance. I do look at other news sites as well. But yeah, interesting.
1: Interesting that the guy didn't forget that you have subscribed. The Financial Times is very much like that, but that's through their website. It just, the app. the app's okay. It's not fantastic. The website is very good, but it's still annoying. You still get ads, even though you're a subscriber, which drives me around the twist. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, we're back to where we were a minute ago with being adverts for things you're already watching on a service or reading on a service. You know, this, this isn't joined up.
1: Uh, agreed. One thing I do pay to remove ads on is Channel 4, and that's fantastic. A friend was around, and we were watching Taskmaster, and it and it went to, did the advert take, and then there was no ads, and we were straight back. And he goes, oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> it's like the best thing ever. I, I'm happy
0: to be Channel 4, a fiver a month, to watch Taskmaster, Ad Infinitum, without ads, so I'm with you.
1: I got it for Bake Off.
0: That's also valid.
1: My children like Bake Off.
0: I have been told I need to watch Peep Show by a few people, so maybe I'll I'll go and have a look at that, because I've never watched it.
1: I saw, like, the first season at university, and I don't think I've seen the others. I think there's quite a few. Mm. We should probably move on. Agreed. So,
0: next story. um, There's a very good rumour Apple are going to release a VR headset any day now, well wd wdc most likely but this is interesting that meta who we've talked about on this podcast before through john carmack stepping back for them and the state of the oculus quest pro when it was announced for 1500 dollars and how rubbish it was and i've put videos about this that they're dropping the prices of their vr headsets meta I, I find this quite fascinating
1: i think this is genius quite expensive for christmas drop them after christmas but before apple make any noises so and they, they've got to have somebody on the inside at apple surely then that that's feeding them information. So it does feel like whatever Apple are doing, there's a huge amount of smoke. And it was like this with the Apple Watch, if you remember, before they did the, the big reveal. And the big reveal for the Apple Watch was quite different in that they revealed it and then they you, you couldn't purchase it, for, say, for six months, if I remember correctly, because they had to get all the approvals and everything. But rather than it leak, they wanted to get out in front of the messaging. So I wonder if this will be similar. But it's quite smart of Meta to do this. I do wonder, though... Whether, how much meta is struggling because obviously they've let a lot of people go it sounds like they've just thrown lots of bodies at meta quest and VR, AR, but it doesn't sound like they've got a great plan it, it reminds me a bit of apple in their car they just keep throwing people at it whereas i think that sometimes they just need to sit down and go what are we actually doing here i've not used a meta quest i don't know if you have A few friends have them, but they rate them quite highly. I don't know. I'm still mixed on whether I want AR in my life or VR in my life. I need to. I think I need to see something really compelling, and Gran Turismo Seven is probably the one thing that may get me over the line at the at the moment.
0: And that's fair enough. I think if you've got that killer app, we've talked about this a few times now. If there's a killer app that they can say that's the thing I want it for, that's the that's the category I'm interested in. Great, but. Meta seem to be struggling a little bit. I I hear the same sort of things as you. People that have Oculus Quest 2s or Meta Quest 2s, as they are now really like them. They like the games. You know, it it, it serves a purpose for them. At what is it now four hundred and thirty dollars? So they've cut they've cut seventy dollars off the price of the cheaper one, and they've cut five hundred dollars off the price of the more expensive one. It's down to a thousand dollars, but that seemed overpriced anyway, based on their reviews. I wouldn't buy either of these for the simple fact that no matter how good the hardware is you need a Facebook or you need a meta account to log in and make them work and I've got no interest.
1: Well, I'm with you. I've got zero interest. It's just not on my radar.
0: Yeah, if they opened this up to, you know, as a PC gamer, being able to play Half-Life VR or something like that, or, or, or on the PlayStation, PlayStation at Gran Turismo VR, then it actually becomes more interesting. It's a really high quality headset. You can play all the games you want to do. It's cross-compatible with PC, with Macs, with Playstations or Xboxes. You could watch, sit on a flight and watch something on a massive screen oh, now, you, now you've got my attention a little bit. And I might pay more than $430 or whatever the equivalent pound value would be for more comfortable, longer battery life, better resolution screens. You know, you could kind of see a market beginning to arrive for that if they do that. But this is too tied down to one platform that I want no part of, so.
1: Yeah, it's too much for a narrow use case. I'd agree with that. So maybe we'll get the same thing when
0: the Apple one comes out and you and I go $3,000 for a headset that just shows me my Apple music on a big screen and I can maybe watch a movie on it. That might be too rich for our blood too.
1: Well, from what we're hearing, it sounds like it's going to be restricted to developers only, I think. So it's going to be interesting to see how this one plays out.
0: Yep, interesting. Anyway, always worth keeping an eye on the VR space at this point, I think.
1: So next up then, what do you think the top selling phone of 2022 is? I think it's probably going to be an iPhone. Oh, it's all, well, I say it's all iPhones. The top 10, 8 out of 10 are iPhones.
0: Yeah, this is an amazing story, you think. When you look at A, all the manufacturers that make Android phones, and B, the lack of iPhones there are to choose from, nominally speaking. There's only a few models compared to, I mean, Samsung probably make more phones altogether in the various ranges of things they do than Apple do. You know, every year, if you think of Galaxy S20 pick a year, S22, S22 Ultra, S22 Pro, A13s, A14s, you know, all the various things that they've got within that, that sort of category in Android from the very, very lowest end. And I, that's not even including the Flip and the Fold and all the other ones that they've got as well. Whereas Apple, you know, what have you got? 13, 13 Pro, 13 Pro Max. They, they make far more phones. So it's amazing to me that Apple managed to dominate in this way
1: yeah and they well like i said dominated eight out of ten and in 2022 the top selling iphone was the iphone 13 with non-pro which probably makes sense it was out for nine out of the 12 months and it- probably a good price point especially in countries like ours where the the iphone 14 was more expensive the iphone 14 came in seventh so it's quite quite an interesting mix the pro max is quite high in second and third which i thought was interesting that's for both the 13 and the 14 the iphone 14 plus is nowhere on this list which isn't a shock because it did come out very late last year and the iphone 14 pro that i've got is in eighth which i thought might be high because i've seen quite a few of them but then i guess i'm largely in tech circles so no big shock there but no very interesting that the iphone 13 said that the Cheapest iPhone 13 they did really, and then the two pro, and then it's Pro Max, so You got you got the two ends of the spectrum in the in the top few there. So, yeah, very interesting. I think
0: it is interesting. I got a couple of questions about this. So this is from a company called Counterpoint Research, who I don't know an awful lot about. I presume they're some sort of watcher of iPhones or phone sales in probably America. And the second thing is, I'm looking at the percentages in the list, and it doesn't add up to 100. percent
1: We're seeing the top 10, isn't it? So there must be a lot of fragmentation behind it. Yeah, I with yeah, it. Barely adds up to anything. Th-
0: that's what I mean. Is that the, f- the best seller is the iPhone 13 with five percent of sales, but the 10 on list is one point one percent. So what is making up the other, you know, seventy plus percent, eighty plus percent of this chart?
1: A lot of Android fragmentation.
0: It's it's it's. I mean, it's it's good news for Apple that they're as dominant as they are, having 80 out of 10 phones. But it does it's fascinating. The you know, seventy plus, eighty plus percent of the market is uncharted here. It's incredible. I completely agree. Anyway, interesting story and, and unsurprising to us, I don't think, that Apple have that sort of dominance in a richer country's list of phones for sale. I'd like to see something similar for, I don't know, Brazil or India.
1: Yeah, I, I think it would just be interesting just to see how it how it changes on a per country or continent basis. It would be interesting to see the, the makeup because some places Android's more dominant and, you know, same with iPhones in, in the Western world. So no, I, I thought it was just interesting. Absolutely which links nicely on to what the age of the people that use these devices. So the second link here is split out by iPhone, iPad and Mac. And then what demographic are, are the percentage of people using those devices? So you're 18 to 24, 25 to 34, 35 to 44, 45 to 54, 55 to 65 or over 65. And are you using a Mac, an iPad and an iPhone? And what I found quite interesting in this is they're largely the same. So it doesn't matter whether you're using an iPhone, an iPad, or a Mac. And let's just—I'm going to just pick on the I, iPad, but because it's largely in the middle. So, you, if you're 18 to 24, 22% of those people are using, you know, an iPhone, an iPad, or a Mac. And then if you're 25 to 35, roughly around 28% are using are using those devices. And then if you're 35 to 44, it's 25% again. So, basically, from 18 all the way up to 44, that equates for roughly. 75 percent of the user base and then 45 to 54 which I'm nearly in and I hope you don't mind me saying but you're there you're 10 percent and then 55 to 65 seven percent and then over 65 circuit nine percent so quite an interesting that it doesn't matter really whether you're an iPhone an iPad or a Mac you're roughly the same age demographic is that because everybody's got one of each or is that just the the split it is but I found that fascinating
0: it is interesting, isn't it? And, and that you know, they point out in the article, all three products have very similar splits, but Mac ownership trends to younger than iPhone and iPad, which I do find fascinating. My instinct would have been it trends older because younger people don't really care so much about computers; they want an iPad or an iPhone, and they can get most of their stuff done to that. That's my. We're going to talk about this a little bit more later on in the show. I know, but that would be my instinct. In my instinct, is that younger people don't buy computers; they buy iPads or phones.
1: I think younger people, largely have a phone and and like a MacBook, you see a lot of people with a MacBook Air. That's very much a young person's device. uh, But there isn't much between any of them, though, which I found interesting.
0: And I guess, you know, 18 to 24 in that broad age range, you're going to school, you're going to university, you know, you're going to college, something like that. So you are more likely to want, I guess, you know, to have one of those devices in that demographic, and then keep it when you move on or or replace it so it's not a bad place apple are in with these
1: no it it looks looks quite healthy to me and obviously their marketing's working because they're covering all their bases by the looks of it
0: it does seem so no it's it's definitely an interesting chart and who doesn't love a good chart
1: and it's quite a self-explanatory chart to be fair so it is good yeah i agree shall we move on to vw
0: let's move on to vw this could be quite a quick thing i guess what have we got to say about vw
1: i'm a bit mixed on this one so somebody stole a vw car it had a child in it vw sally service that allows you to track the car the owners of the car hadn't you know renewed it and they're obviously trying to get the tracking turned on because somebody's stolen it it. so well whose fault is it (laughs) is the question i get i get the situation when there was a child in the car Somebody's stolen it, but they've not paid the service on it. So you can kind of see where VW are at. Anyway, the upshot is VW are now going to give the service to a bunch of VW owners for free as a way to say, sorry, they should have just, you know, done the tracking for them, which I don't disagree with, but it makes it really tricky if you're trying to upsell something and somebody hasn't bought it. And it's a typical one, you phone the service desk and the person on the end is just going, computer says, no, you haven't got it. Yeah, but my child's in my car, can you track it? You've got the tech, you know, because you would literally offer all the money. Yeah, how much money do I pay? Just, just sign me up right now.
0: Yeah, this is it's a comp it's not a complicated story, but you can you you're right though, you can see both sides. Why was the child
1: left in the car? If you've got children like mine, you'd leave them in the car any chance
0: Yeah, but let's say it's st- I'm I'll I'll put my head my American head on from here. I've stopped for gas. I'm running inside, fair enough you'd leave the kid in the car. Shouldn't really leave the keys in the car and it should be very
1: maybe watched a bit you should, more. You should have the keys with you, definitely.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think of the scenario here, you know oh, I'm going to go and get a coffee. Well, the kids asleep? Might leave the kid in the car, lock the door, off you go. Then, fair enough, I guess that's... But anything more than that, shouldn't you shouldn't be leaving your kid in the car for any length of time.
1: And you'd lock the door if you just quickly... like You'd zap it, wouldn't you, as you're walking in the shop to get your coffee or, or pay for the gas or, or whatever it may be. So it's a bit, yeah, I agree with you here.
0: I mean, specifically in this story, and I will read the, the article. The toddler-containing car, a 2021 VW Atlas. What's a VW Atlas?
1: I'm assuming they've just renamed something from over here. I don't know.
0: Is it a Passat? Is it a Tegan? I don't know. It was stolen from its owner's driveway in Libertyville, Illinois, after thieves jumped out of a white BMW and assaulted her, seriously injuring her as they drove over her in their escape. So that's pretty nasty. The police immediately contacted VW CarNet, the connected car service, to track stolen Atlas. But since the Atlas' CarNet trial subscription had ended, the representative would not provide the location of the stolen vehicle until the service vehicle had reactivated. So in this case, parent absolutely not at fault.
1: Yeah. Yes, you're right. Parents, definitely not a fault. I've read about this by the way. is like a Tureg. A right. Okay. Like a, an Americanified
0: one. Fair enough. So the police say by the time they paid the reactivation fee, 30 minutes had passed since the theft, and by then they'd found the child in the vehicle by other means. I mean, again... I think that's not bad. Volkswagen obviously prioritized it but after they had the fee because computer says no, like you said, and they got on and they did it. And they are now going the extra mile to say they'll enable it. So I think it's a good story if they got the kid back and hopefully the, the, the mother wasn't too badly injured.
1: I agreed, agreed on that. It is a great sales pitch for VW, isn't it? This is what could happen. Is a real-life example. So make sure make sure you give us all your bank details.
0: Yeah, you want to be paying that subscription for your connected car. So maybe there's an argument for leaving your your an air tag in there too while you're at it.
1: Yeah. Do, do thieves normally have iPhones? Because then they, then they would work, wouldn't it?
0: Well, here's a thing. So again, this should be a main show thing. I have a very clever bike these days, as Apple Find My built into it. I, I leave it in my building, not outside, chained to a, a railing somewhere in my building, and even in my slightly quiet post-COVID pandemic status. I'd say an Apple device walks past it every sort of 20 minutes or so, because whenever I've looked on Find My and make sure it's still in the building, I do get a little notification that say, last seen 60 minutes ago, and it wasn't me. So people do walk by with iPhones or you drive by people with iPhones.
1: I could quite believe it. They're so prevalent, aren't they?
0: Yeah, as we've just seen, you know, they're in the top 5% best-selling phones.
1: Shall we carry on? So Apple then have announced new colours of watch. Bands or straps, if you're here in the UK, and cases, and some Hermes AirTag key rings, which I don't think anybody's buying because it costs about three hundred pounds. Any, any, anything caught your eye here? So they've released
0: four new watch straps: Canary Yellow, Olive Sky, and Iris. A new, very shiny yellow iPhone. Hang on, have I got that right? No, I haven't got that right. No, the,
1: the colours you've just listed of the iPhone cases: so Canary Yellow, Olive Sky, and Iris of the iPhone cases and then watch band. We've got Sprout Green, Canary Yellow, Olive, Purple, Fog, Bright Orange, Sky and some new Hermes ones as well, which again, super expensive. Now, I must confess, I have and I'm showing you on the webcam, bought the Bright Orange Sport Band because I like a sport band. And because the Apple Watch Ultra has got some orange on it, I thought done. And so I bought that. And unlike the strap that came with my Apple Watch, it hasn't discoloured yet.
0: Wow, that's quite a thing. I, I'm going to talk about your Apple Watch strap in a second, but I just want to say I never want a Sprout Green phone.
1: It's not a good colour, is it?
0: <laughs> Even calling it Sprout Green. I mean, canary yellow is great. It's nice and bright and vivid and all the rest of it. Why would you want Sprout Green?
1: Yeah. No, yeah, it's not fantastic, is it?
0: that's that's terrible terrible marketing copy whoever whoever came up with that should go and have a long hard think about themselves but i gotta say if you hold that up to the camera again it doesn't look bright orange on on the camera i'm looking at you now and it looks more like sort of a coral color
1: it is quite light i would i wouldn't disagree what they should have done was release one international orange made for people like me with an apple watch and you know then it would be the same color as the button and on it so it's i'm happy with it but it could be a darker orange i would be a yeah much happier then.
0: So I, I was frantically looking around there because I actually, after you did that and I read an article on The Virgin, forgive me, I should be, I've been a bit more prepared and put this in the show notes. I actually ordered one from a different manufacturer for my Apple Watch Ultra that looked a nice orange color in the same way to go with the buttons on my Apple Watch Ultra. And I will dig around a little bit after the show and, and pull it out, but it's from a British company. So i can get Sport sport British industry. They had Apple Pay on their website and it I just like the look of it. This pricing was similar, a little bit more expensive perhaps than, than Apple. I think it was fifty nine pounds is how much I paid for it, and hopefully that's coming this week as well. So I'll have a little report on a third party Apple Watch band.
1: I'd be just that because often when I find third party Apple Watch bands, they don't feel as good, and so I've, I've steered away from. I bought a few over the years. I've given up but I'm, I'm curious to see what yours looks like because if it's any good I'll be up for it.
0: Well this just shows what a sucker I am they supply watch bands and straps to the British military RAF commandos and everybody they're you know they're that sort of quality that have been which isn't necessarily a good thing because we know the military often buy from the cheapest person rather than the thing that's best but I was quite impressed with a copy on the verge where I read it from and their their website was very good too so yeah I'll, I'll report back.
1: Cool mini hardware review coming.
0: Absolutely, and it's not going to be Sonos speakers just yet. Good. So, and Apple iPhone yellow, what do we think of that? It's a
1: yellow iPhone. I think that's that.
0: I like them releasing more interesting vivid colors. I think it's good, I, I, particularly on the, I don't want to call it the base model, but let's just say the iPhone. I think it's great. People like colors on their devices. I wish I had more interesting colors at the pro end of the market.
1: Don't disagree. I just, it's not a nice yellow. If they made it the Playdate yellow, yes. That would—that's a good yellow. A bit like my watch strap. It's just a bit washed out. I think Apple are struggling, and it's a bit like this when you look at the new iMac. I say new iMacs They're now eighteen months old, but the the feet look fantastic. Really nice, bold colour on the back, and then the front just looks washed out. I think they've still got some work to do with their colours and their name. Well, you've already pointed out the name. They. They need to just employ a team of colorists to, to get this right, because I think they're close, but they never quite get the color right. So, I yeah, I think there's some work to be done here. You, I think you, you're you kind of one in. They used to call it nano-chromatic, didn't they, when they did an iPod nano really bold colors. We need to get some of that back, please. I, I'm with
0: you. I think it's funny, the Upgrade Post Podcast call it a color czar, and I'm with them. They need a color czar. Let's make things more interesting, please.
1: And they should report straight into Tim Cook at the top of the company. Done.
0: Yeah, it's, there's something here about just being a bit more vivid and vibrant and uh, uh, come on, Apple, step up to the mark. You used to make all sorts of interesting colours in the plastic iPhone 5Cs. We know you can make, you know, interesting colours in in other iPhones. So why the pros want colour too?
1: Part of the reason I don't have the case on my phone is just so I can enjoy the white back and the stainless steel sides that weigh a ton because I want some bright colours. But if they did this in a nice colour, I'd have have bought a colourful phone.
0: Yeah, I think that's perfectly reasonable. Why wouldn't you want a colour phone? I can't find my order for the strap. I wish I could give you the name of the company, but I'll have to dig it out.
1: Well, let's wait until you get it, and then, then we can talk about it as a as a mini review and, and impressions, can't we?
0: Fine, good. Okay, I think that's enough on colors. Should we speak about Apple pre-announcing an app?
1: Yeah, what is this? This is new,
0: isn't it? And I, yeah, it's a very interesting... So we've talked before, I think it was when iOS 16.4 came along, we were surprised not to see Apple Classical, right?
1: Yeah, so... They said that Apple Classical, or in this case, they're going to call it Apple Music Classical, which I wish they dropped the word music out of that I made it a bit shorter. But basically, they bought a company called Primephonic, and they said that the app, they bought this company in 21, and they said by the end of 22... This Apple Music Classical app would be out. They've obviously missed that deadline, and but they dropped a press release, I think, and said, "Right, it's now on the App Store. You you can, you know, pre-download it, in essence, or or at least uh, sign up for it. So it will download on the 28th of March when it comes out. So it's good that it's coming. I'm assuming you need to have an Apple subscription, which I'm guessing where you and I are in the bundle, we just get that for free, which would be good. I'm a little interested in this because I know my kids quite like a bit of classical music every now and again. So it'd be great if they could have it on their iPads. But it, it did seem a bit odd to me when you go the app store just shows the iphone app if this isn't coming out on the mac and on the ipad that's a big miss for a software company that's touting how good all its tools are to make cross-platform apps so i'm curious to see what that looks like i'm also curious on the mac if they do do it is it going to be another fork of itunes or actually is it going to be the ipad app ported backwards which would probably be the better thing to do because the music app on the mac is a little bit clunky
0: I would like to see them do something new. The, I'm with you. The music app on the on the Mac particularly is iTunes. If you close your eyes and squint, or just squint, not close your eyes so much, you'll you know it, it's iTunes. They they stripped out an odd little bit a bit bit in piece, but not a lot of difference there.
1: No, it, they they didn't have a good strategy for it. They should have started the transition years ago and they've been too slow i think but maybe this is a good way of them trying things to put into apple music the main app they could try it in the classical if they're trying any new interface things so i'm curious to see what it's going to look like like i say i think my, my children would, would enjoy a bit of it I know, I know my eldest likes a bit of classical but it's, it seems to have taken a long time a year to re-engineer an app and a catalog but who knows what's going on in the background i guess
0: I guess classical music music database is difficult, isn't it? Because it's not so much about the music you're listening to; it's about the orchestra or the composer or, or a particular variance of it. Or, or I, you know, I don't know enough about classical music. I might be speaking complete nonsense, but I, I, the database at the back end probably has to be co- has to cope with it appropriately. Which obviously there's a bit of in iTunes now because you can listen to classical music in
1: iTunes now. Yeah, but isn't this just what they've bought? This is they bought all this, so I don't get why it's taking so long and could they not have bought this company rebadged it as apple classical and then just slowly iterated over time i don't i don't know unless they went maybe they had a moonshot to do it all in one go and overpromised and underdelivered
0: I guess we'll see when it comes out. I mean, they managed with Beats to keep putting out Beats products in less time than a year when they bought them. So you think they could manage a bit of software?
1: Agreed. I, but I do like, though, they're not bundling the app as part of the operating system. I think that is the right move with the European regulators and, well, all regulators, basically. So I think they're learning from that that they should start doing apps detached from the OS. Or they're just really slow. Or, just, or they just can't tie up the release to go with the OS release. I'd like to see them detach more apps from the OS so they can drop updates to the apps independently of major OSs.
0: I'm with you. You think they'd be able to iterate a lot faster on some of these things that just you're waiting and waiting and waiting to come up. Wouldn't it be great if they could detach, you know, point releases sometimes for other platforms like your monitor? There is one out
1: there now, actually, because <laughs> I guess we're running the beta. Next up, though, just in slightly related news, I just saw this and I thought it was interesting. So vinyl overtakes CD sales for the first time since 1987. So insane. I know vinyl's having a resurgence. I guess, though, nobody's buying CDs at all. people are buying vinyl because it's a bit hipsterish, it's a bit like a tea ceremony of playing a, a record. So I, I guess I shouldn't be that surprised. But wow, that's all I'm going to say. I it wouldn't even dawn on me to buy any any physical media. But there you go.
0: Well, here's the thing: both of my children have got
1: record players. You've you've got trendy kids. <laughs> she did. One of them didn't
0: take it with her at university, but it's still in her room. And They're quite it, big, though, aren't they? I don't know. I find this so peculiar. I mean, I wasn't a child. I know you say I'm old and I am old. I wasn't a child of the of the record generation. Tapes were the thing when I was growing up. You know, you've recorded things off the radio or you bought a tape or you, you fast forwarded through through things. In fact, my Commodore 64 came with a tape drive. You know, we might talk about tapes in a little bit. As did Spectrums, as did the computers at the time. Tapes were the source of all these things. And CDs were such a leap forward to me that I could just press a button and have that quality and skip on to the next track without hearing as it sort of spilled forward through
1: it. I'm, I'm with you. I was brought up on tapes and I probably got to see these at a younger age than you, but I'm not, not that much younger than you. But now I'm with you. I remember tapes. I can't ever imagine tapes having a resurgence though, can you?
0: No, there was too much to go wrong. with. I mean, they they had the fragility of records without the tea ceremony. And anybody who's ever tried to spool a, a twisted tape back in the, the tape body is—it's not a fun time. And they quite often that would quite often happen. But they didn't sound great. There was a lot of hiss in the background of them. Finding songs was difficult. They were very fragile. But again, I kind of feel that were records too. I—it's I, just I don't understand the appeal.
1: I'm completely with you. I think tapes just won because the form factor—they were a very convenient form factor. CD while slightly bigger was also quite a neat relatively mobile form factor I had a dismin that I lived lived on for most of my teenage years so yeah I'm given modern tech and everybody has got an iPhone I'm amazed records are making such a resurgence but that's just me.
0: Yeah, I, I don't really understand it. CDs were very convenient, although they turned out to be you not know, quite as reliable as people said they were. They did scratch and they did rot and, you know, they, they weren't. And when you got you get jam or something, not jam, but, you know, they were quite easily marked and then they'd skip and, you know, there were issues around them. But, you know, fair enough, each to their own. If people like vinyl, they like vinyl and the record, com- the record industry is going to help you take the money off you for that.
1: Well, oh, why wouldn't they? I mean, it's a product for them. I did go into HMV a while ago with my son, and I was amazed how much vinyl they had actually. I haven't been into H&V for a long time, which for those of you not in the UK, is used to be, a, you know, where you'd go and buy your CDs and your DVDs and probably videos and, and vinyl before that. But it was strange seeing so much physical product in there. But there you go. But people, and people were flocking in there. So maybe shops like that are going to have a resurgence too.
0: Fair enough. If it helps our artists sell more music and keeps them in business, I'm okay with it. Agreed, agreed. I think that's it for news. It's a long news section.
1: Yeah, we had a lot, a lot this week. It's been quite a busy week though for sort of a few, few bit of Apple things, bit, bit, bit else going on in, in in the general tech sphere. So uh, I, I quite enjoyed this week. It was nice for it not to be so quiet. Very good. Moving on, media. Media, so I've, I've actually watched Spill Media. So we've got a couple of things coming here. So I've been on Apple TV Plus quite a bit. So I watched Liaison, the first three episodes. This is, it. well, it's subtitled, so good portions of it in French and in English. And it's got Eva Green in it, who, if you remember James Bond, Casino Royale, she, she was the, the Bond girl in that. It's okay. Like, it, it's quite a good story. Some of the, for me, some of the acting's a bit, a bit dubious in places, but I'm actually quite enjoying it. And it's nice to have some some subtitles you know have have some have french in there set in england as well you know it's good to see two countries so it starts just to watch something different so yeah very much enjoying that would recommend as a c not as a a plus if that makes sense
0: yeah, I have seen the trailer for it. I thought, oh, that looks interesting. The the gentleman actor in it, the French chap who's in it, I'm, I'm afraid I'm blanking on entirely what his name is, has, fantastic. A- has appeared in a couple of interviews and I see he's getting a lot of kudos about his, his performance on that. So yeah, that's interesting. I got to say, a C isn't entirely selling me.
1: I think it's okay. That's kind of it. You know, it's just not fantastic. His name is Vincent Cassell. I think I pronounced that correctly. I saw him in Public Enemy Number 1, which was another French film. And there was, there was two films around a notorious criminal. He was fantastic in that. I think he's very good. I'm just disappointed with, with some of the rest of it. But yeah, would, would recommend.
0: Fair enough. I did see a trailer for a new Chris O'Dowd show that's coming to Apple TV Plus called The Big Door Prize. Did you see this? Nope. So I like Chris O'Dowd an awful lot. I've got time from him ever since the IT crowd. I quite enjoyed him as the as the romantic lead in Bridesmaids as well. He, he's made some of that transition to Hollywood, but obviously not all the way in. And The Big Door Show just looks interesting to me. An Apple TV series, he plays a teacher, still an Irish teacher, because obviously I don't think he's going to try that American accent out particularly. But just looked interesting. You know, a, a machine appears in a town that can forecast what the life you should have had, what your expertise was. Good little trailer. I think I'll give it a chance when it comes along.
1: I'm amazed Apple haven't pushed this trailer upon me, given all the Apple TV Plus I've been watching. But there you go.
0: There you go. And occasionally, I can find something that's coming as well. Which you know, you're normally more up on your Apple TV Plus than I am.
1: Yeah, I think I've—I don't know—I've had a real binge on it lately. So, in, in related news, I've also just been watching the Morning Show series two. I watched series one. Really enjoyed it. And that was one of their flagship shows when they launched Apple T V Plus. But for some reason, I don't know why. I just hadn't got around to watching the morning show. But actually really enjoying it. And the production quality is fantastic. The sets, the quality of the 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 picture, the sound. They've spent a lot of money on it, you can tell. But actually really good. It's got Jennifer Aniston in it and Reese Witherspoon. But it's also got Billy Crudup and he plays a fantastic media executive boss and he's just He's just the right kind of person for that role. He's, he's so good in it. So I'm really enjoying it. We'd would, would definitely recommend it. Fair enough. Good. Yep.
0: I managed two episodes of The Morning Show. The first season of, I agree with you. It looked very shiny and all the rest of it. It didn't appeal to me in any way, shape, manner, or form, so I gave up.
1: I don't know why it appeals to me, Genuinely, I wouldn't think it'd be in my wheelhouse, but for some reason, it seems to have stuck. So I'm enjoying it a little bit. What is interesting, actually, with Series 2 is it is set back in February, March time. 2020 and they're reporting on the pandemic breaking out and stuff and it's a bit weird seeing it back then when we all thought oh what's all this around there's nothing really going on and then obviously lockdowns then ensue and and so on and so forth so it's quite interesting seeing that unfold three years later because i think i've given it enough time (laughs) to to get over it myself
0: fair enough good i I don't think i'll be circling back around but i'm glad you're enjoying it is it higher than a c
1: i think the acting is much better i'd probably give it a b fair enough okay ted lasso but talking of A's, Ted Lasso's coming out. So just to remind everybody, on, on Wednesday, Ted Lasso's coming out. I'm super excited. I've actually gone back and watched season one. I love it. I, this is definitely an A for me. It's a fantastic show. I'm really looking forward to season three. I'm actually going on a management course on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday this week. And part of me was thinking, could they just let us watch Ted Lasso instead? Because it is about leadership and management, isn't it? And getting the best out of people. And there are some good life lessons in it, I think. So I'd rather just watch that. I'm, I'm genuinely looking forward to it
0: i'm with you ted lasso series one is an a plus i think ted lasso series two is a b minus though
1: (laughs) i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say i agree with you i was just thinking for a moment and look they've got a hard act to follow whatever they bring out on series three it's going to be a hard push to beat season one to be fair i genuinely enjoyed series two they did have a couple more off episodes so i would agree with you if we were being completely fair i I would stick with what you said
0: Yeah, fair enough. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. I've read two entirely contrary reviews. The Guardian said they'd seen the first three episodes and they should hate it and be cynical and not like it, but absolutely loved it. It, You know, it it, it put them back in their happy place again. And then I've seen another one saying it fails to hit the heights. So that's fine. That leaves me exactly where I'll make my own judgment about it and not be led by the media. So I'm quite looking forward to it too. I, I have enjoyed Ted Lasso enough that I'll give him another chance. Jason Sudeikis is great in it. All the characters are phenomenal in it. I, you know, I, And he. Uh, the one thing I liked in one of the reviews was that he's quite a dull sort of caricature of what you'd want a leader to be. He says all the right things. He does all the right things, et cetera, et cetera. And that really lets everybody else's stories shine and his place in them. And I actually quite like that. He is just this wonderful, warm, motivational force, but that lets you bring these other really interesting stories to the fore. And I, I quite like that for it.
1: Yeah, he's the glue, isn't he? He's yeah. the glue for the whole thing. I you haven't read anything because I don't want to know. I just, I'd just, i like just to see it and make my own mind up is where I'm at. Fair enough. So
0: speaking of one that I went off and watched myself is based on what you'd said last time, Hello Tomorrow, that I thought was quite an interesting sort of premise. Certainly from the trailer I'd seen, I like some of the actors in it, Billy Crudup that you've mentioned, and Hank Azaria is in it as well, as well as Alison Pill, who is someone who I've, I've liked from Picard and other things. I think she's been better than a lot of the shows she's been in, frankly. And I hate to say it, but I think that may be the case again. you know not keen. Well, I watched two episodes, and it's not a bad show, but it's also not a good show. And and in a world where we've got far more interesting TV to be watching,
1: I don't think it's worth my time. Uh, that is the big problem now, isn't it? There's so much TV out there to watch that you don't want to waste time on something. You, it's not like you're, you're filling the hours because there's nothing to, get, to flip the channel over to. I think it's a C. I'd put it in the same... Bag is liaison for me I think it's got some good qualities I like the concept of the world they're in I'm curious to see how series one or season one's going to play out because I think I'm on about episode five so I'm a bit more invested than you but it isn't it isn't as good as I thought it was going to be. The, the, I think the trailer oversold it.
0: Yeah, and again, I like everybody in it. It looks fantastic, but I struggle slightly with the lack of explanation of what's going on. One of the reasons I like For All Mankind is that alt-history thing. You can see where it, what the trigger is that's different from our world. Russians got there first. Trigger's a different space race. There's a bunch of robots in this, and there's some rockets and stuff, but, and hover cars. I don't know. Do they explain that?
1: Nope. But I quite like that.
0: I don't like that. I want to know why it's different. What, what? Why is this 1950s looking world so different to ours?
1: I quite like it's in the 50s, I must say. I, 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 I see where you are, but that's maybe where, if it was successful, you'd then go back and do a prequel of how we got there. But I kind of like it in a way that it's unexplained and you just you just literally just dropped into this world. And it's like, oh, what's going on here? they got hover cars. Like, and they're in the 50s or, or roughly a 50-ish vibe to it. Hmm. Hmm. I, I, I quite enjoy the aesthetic of it. I don't mind not knowing how they got there.
0: I, I quite like the aesthetic of it. But anyway, I, I think I've, I've said my piece. It's it's not a bad show, but it's not a good show either.
1: Yeah, it's sees It's middling.
0: So on a related note, I had another go at episode, what did I get to? Four of Accession? Three what Succession, I should say. And I didn't hate it quite as much as the previous couple that I watched. I still hated the people in it, but I didn't hate it. Does that make sense? yeah
1: they're, they're all horrible people they're all crawling over each other for the job so yeah they are just unlikable crude people with far too much wealth but i just love it i think it, it's right my street S- series three series four is coming very soon i can't wait I,
0: I said i wasn't going to go back but there's something about it that i did go back so i will try one more maybe by the time we talk again next week so i haven't entirely given up open succession yet
1: i'm glad i'm glad because i do like it but i generally appreciate it. it's not for everybody and be, again you haven't worked for large corporates or wealthy individuals that own their private company so you, you may not enjoy it as much as me but like, oh,
0: no, i just love it I, I i recognize people like that and i think in a world of elon musk's and others and their children and the rest of it i i you know i see where it's coming from
1: and rupert murdoch and various others
0: yeah who are all you know beautiful lovely people with with no issues around them at all but i think that'll do us for media
1: I think so. We've actually got quite a bit in in the media section, and we didn't even talk about the Oscars.
0: No, we didn't. Although I do want to say, if you haven't seen Everything Everywhere All at Once, which has won seven Oscars, go and stop stop listening to the podcast and go and watch it now. It's a terrific film. Well, apart from you, you you've got
1: you've got to stay. <laughs> I was going to say actually, for those in the UK, it's on Amazon Prime. I don't know about in other territories, but it's on Amazon Prime for free. So I've I've got no excuse not to have a stab at it.
0: Yeah, run, don't walk and watch it. It is a terrific film. And and I think I said, I've said i said before on the podcast, it made me cry. I, no, I can't even say that about it. I'll just say it, it, it's a lovely film with some really sort of heartfelt emotion in it, some solid action sequences and just the most amazing performances from Michelle Yeoh and everybody else that's in it. Agreed. And it gave Jamie Lee Curtis her first ever supporting or her first ever Oscar of
1: any sort. That's fantastic. I've always been quite a fan of hers. I think she's done some great roles. Yeah,
0: terrific. So go go and watch everything everywhere all at once. Games,
1: games. Oh, I'm up first. Wee. So just briefly, I've got a play date. The which is in the right shade of yellow. They've finally announced. They've called it a Catalog. I think they should have called it. A an app store or a game store but they're doing a catalogue where they're linking to games some are free some you pay for you can do it through the website and they then appear on your play date I'm amazed they didn't ship with a, some form of store for games before now but I'm glad they've finally done it and that's what I wanted to say I've picked out a couple of games I've had to go on I probably need to play on it more but looking at I've got no other links in here this week I've not played enough games by the looks of it Fair enough
0: I still sort of side-eye the play date every so often but I think they're still slightly resource-constrained I haven't heard a great story about exactly what you're talking about, software. It sounds like there's lots of good games, but very few great games that sort of keep you coming back. It's good if you want like a quick 10 minute play on something, but it's not a compelling, you know, I could sit in front of my Steam Deck and I can lose myself in something for two hours. I don't get the impression I'd do that with a Playdate.
1: I don't disagree with you. It's quite a small screen. It's not backlit. So it's not a game you're going to play on for, it's just not that kind of device for long games, I think, but... I quite like it every now and again, just to do something different. I'm kind of like on my Switch, though, to be fair. Every now and again, I just want to have a quick go on something different.
0: Fair enough. Next one's for me, then. So, Northguard. I found out this was on the iPad last week. So, Northguard is a... Have I said a real-time strategy? in in the, Slightly in the vein of a Command and Conquer, but more in the vein of an Age of Empires or something like that, really. Although you don't sort of move through empires in the way that you do. You're just trying to keep your tribe alive in some very harsh winters, do some exploration... Manage some resources for collecting wood and all the rest of it. It's a good game that I picked up for I think twenty quid on Steam many moons ago, and I was stunned to learn that it came out in the iPad. I think I got it on sale at four pounds ninety nine. Its normal price is seven ninety nine. It's well worth a punt, I'd say. If you like that style of thing and you want something well implemented that works well with a touch interface and you like that kind of gameplay, I think it's worth a shout.
1: Yeah, it looks quite cool. I find it weird how games like this have never really stuck on the iPad. You, I play little games on it. I barely play on my iPad, to be fair. I play on my phone a little bit, and I've obviously got some consoles. But I've never really had a game that's stuck on either my Mac or my iPad, to be fair.
0: Yeah, it's a bit of a worry to me. And, we, you know, we talk about issues with the iPad. that it, It's kind of found its niche as a... High player, Disney Plus, maybe a bit of light email. I you know you use it for far more than that, but I think most in most people's that's what they use it for. A bit of light email, mostly surfing the web, watch their Netflix on a, on a train or something like that, or in bed at night, and it serves that purpose. And there are some high quality proper triple A titles available for the iPad. We've talked about Civilization VI, the original XCOM is on there, obviously, Slay the, Spider, the best game of all time, is on your iPad. But I think this is it's fascinating that this is a good well-written title that translates well. And me, as a fan of it, hadn't even realized it had landed on the iPad. So it obviously failed to make a splash.
1: Yeah, I'm guessing it hasn't made a splash, but when do you hear about any game making a splash on the iPad? It's annoying because it's a great device. It does a good resolution. It's very powerful. You should have a lot more games on it than what we've got. But you could say the same about your Mac.
0: That's very true. You know, the power of Apple Silicon there. And, you know, why isn't this game available on the Mac App Store too? You know, it's it's a proper, well thought out strategy game that, that you could make much of. Multiplayer, all the rest it, play with your friends in the same way Command and Conquer and all like that could be. This should be a no-brainer. It should be available. People should be talking about it, and they're not. The iPad isn't that kind of platform, it
1: seems. No, can't explain it. Like I say, it's just never really stuck, has it?
0: Anyway, it's a good game. If you fancy a little bit of this sort of action and you want to support a developer that's obviously, you know, spent a bit of time doing a proper conversion to bring it to iPad, it's worth a shout. Northgard, link in the show notes.
1: Yeah, I'm going to check that out. Fair enough.
0: This is just follow up on a story we talked about, I think it was last week, about Nintendo skipping E3. Microsoft are also going to skip E3.
1: So what is it, the Sony show?
0: I suspect Sony might drop out as well. Uh, It's I don't know what E3 is becoming because of the big hardware manufacturer. It's a bit of an odd one for a hardware manufacturer, isn't it? You're going to buy a console. Anybody who wanted to do the Xbox desperately will already have one. And the same for PlayStation 5 and the same for Nintendo Switch. So it becomes a showcase of software. And we know the problems Microsoft's having with software and the purchase of Activision Blizzard, so...
1: Well, I'm guessing that they're all big enough now. They can just do their own shows, you know, like Apple, whoever, Microsoft, Google. They all do their own things on their own timetables. So why why march to somebody else's beat, I guess?
0: And real-time follow-up. Sony haven't attended E3 since 2019.
1: Oh, so they're not going then, are they? No, so who's going? Big game publishers, maybe, that aren't big enough to pull a crowd?
0: I don't know. I mean, you reflect on this in the way the market for the convention has gone. And I think even, you know, Apple pulled out of Macworld Expo. How long ago at this point, they were big enough, they didn't need it. I think Nintendo can make an announcement, they don't need it. Sony and Microsoft don't need it. I who is a publisher that needs it? Electronic Arts?
1: For sale? Yeah. I was amazed looking on their website how few games they've got coming soon and recently out. Like It's literally like nothing. Yeah, they're, I don't they're, know what's happened there.
0: Well, they're struggling. They're obviously up for sale. I mean, I found it interesting that the PlayStation game of the month this month is Battlefield 2142. Terrific AAA title. Didn't come out that long ago. I spent 60 quid in it, I think, on Steam to have it. But there you go. You can download the base version for nothing if you're a PlayStation Plus customer wow and you should because it's been patched so much now it's actually a lot of fun
1: (laughs) it's been patched you can now play it it's almost a year on it's now a playable game i was giving quake the side eye it's about three quid on the ps5 the the re-release version i'm a little tempted
0: don't waste your money it has not stood the test of time
1: i just love it i love that game shall we talk about standing the test of time this feels like a good segue into the next link
0: Well, this is just a little thing from my heart as much as anything else. So I've said on this podcast, my first actual computer was a Commodore 64. And I found this link to the Internet Archive. And on the Internet Archive is a complete archive of all the tapes, speaking of tapes, that were available for the Commodore 64. 2,025 games are available on this website. And you can actually emulate every last one of them on the website. You don't need to download a C64 emulator. If you were to click on one and then click on the sort of power button in the middle of it when you click onto it, you can fire up a Commodore 64 in your web browser and play this game. I just think that's incredible.
1: That's kind of cool. I clicked on The Goonies, one of the best films ever. I have no idea what the game's like. My brother used to have a Commodore 64. I might have to send him this.
0: Yeah, well, I think he's going to love it. I mean, it's got commando, which I remember was sort of a... It's a continually vertically scrolling shoot 'em up You control the little commando, you had grenades and bullets, and you worked your way up the screen. Terrific conversion, amazing sound that the Commodore 64 had for its time. And you can just click play on it and load one of these tapes up. I think this is an amazing achievement.
1: Yeah, and I love they got a picture of the tape. Like, that's just fantastic, isn't it? Fair play. What a very nicely done sight really cool
0: yeah i mean they've taken it to heart haven't they they've got they've, they've got scans of the inlays scans of the tape itself of the way that it used to look at they've got i mean i'm I'm scrolling through the list and the number of games they've got you know Living Daylight daylights rambo 3 turrican was a huge game back in the day summer games 1943 summer games i, I spent so many hours playing that game california games this is just terrific
1: that's it Willie.
0: yeah some absolute classics here and i think you'd be crazy not to at least go if you've got any sort of fondness for that era of computing or just want to see what an 8-bit game looked like have a look
1: this is a proper labor of love isn't it it's quite cool
0: yeah i was really impressed with it i think it's worth putting in there it certainly belongs in our game section yeah it's no, fantastic yeah so a little hint into my it made me smile finding this i gotta say that no, does look cool should we cool. go to the main show Main show. So the, the, we've got two stories that I don't think we'll spend a huge amount of time on, because one of them we've talked about for for a while anyway. And this is just an observation from me that you and I have talked about this, about how young people get off my lawn and their tolerance for technology that we just accept sort of day in, day out. So apparently, this is a story in The Guardian, that Gen Z workers, uh, I say Z deliberately, I know I'm British and I should say Gen Z, but Gen Z workers face workplace shame for not knowing how things like scanners and big laser printers and things like that work and i just wondered if this sort of fit your experience as somebody who has to probably work with more people who are less familiar in this technology and i certainly get this ourselves with students coming in and uh, you know as master students trying to make sense of what we've got in the office what's your take on this
1: Can we not just take a moment to appreciate how we've segued from commodore tape archive to gen z workers i think that's fantastic (laughs) only we could have done that
0: I'm impressed, actually. I hadn't made that connection. Well spotted.
1: It just made me smile. Sorry. Look, I think this is quite interesting. So I work in IT for, a, you know, a medium-sized corporate company where we've got people of all ages and demographics and abilities, whether it's with IT or, or with anything. And I thought this was really interesting because, and I've actually included a couple of other articles, which is largely into how the Gen Z, the Gen Z, Gen Z. I don't like ten Z, it doesn't feel right to me. But how they want to get back in the office, you know, and I thought that I was trying to include a bit of context around this. So you, you've got the younger generation wanting to be in the office more. I think the older, I can say the older generation, but the people that have been in the office for the last 10, 15 years are a lot happier to be working from home and to be home-based more of the week than less of the week, if that makes sense. Whereas I think the younger part of the workforce now want to be in the office and experience what office culture is like the banter the getting to know people the culture and then obviously it's interesting though that whilst they want to be in the office they're not as au okay fait with using some of the systems the the apps like your excel's of this world and then big one about using you know technology like the printers i guess and and so on and so forth because that's things that they just haven't encountered in scanning and doing mail merge and and all of those things whereas the, the slightly older generation of office workers that are happy to be at home are very okay with all this tech that's been in offices for 20 years plus because they've used it day in day out for a long time I just just thought it was really interesting. It's a
0: whole mess of stuff here though isn't it? I mean I don't think, I'd never want to suggest that the the next generation or several generations on from me at this point perhaps are lazy or they don't want to get to work which a lot of these articles are sort of poking towards aren't they? That There's an entitlement to this generation that you know they they want to work less, they don't want to experience burnout they want to do all these things that you know office workers and other workers in all industries have experienced for years. So I don't think it's that I just wonder it's about workplace culture as much as anything else that there's always been a you know you've, you've got to walk the walk to work here you've got to be you know sent to the you know the stores for a long stand you've got to learn it to you've got to smack the laser printer twice in this place in order for it to work or load this thing up for it to happen there's always been a certain amount of that in the workplace and I, I don't think it's wrong that the incoming workers want better conditions. They want more, uh, you know, things to work in a, in a better, more intuitive way than they used to. That's not an unreasonable expectation. But there's a gap there, isn't there, between the way people are used to working and how we've all got on with working in our offices over these years and, and what people have become used to through growing up with iPads and Chromebooks and all these things that may be a little more intuitive to use.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I, th- I think what's what the first article is saying is the Gen Z are struggling to use your big office printers. They, they they're just not used to that 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 world. But yeah, if you give them a, a modern device to use, that they'd be they'd be using it a lot quicker. They can set up a website. They can you know they're more afraid with the app side of things. I just found it quite interesting, like I say, is yeah, they want to be in the office more but and they probably do want to get used to that culture because otherwise you're gonna have a whole demographic of people that have barely had been in an office and you can see it now a lot of big bigger businesses are going as you know we do want you back in the office more than we want you working from home so i do think that the tables are turning as we find the right balance post pandemic of what should and shouldn't we be doing i guess as a country or maybe is it's probably bigger than that isn't it but we're certainly seeing it in bubbles in our organization where they want everybody in the office five days a week so I don't think that's the right balance, but I don't think being at home five days a week is the right balance. And I think it's important for people to be in, to have that office interaction. But like you say, part of being in and if you're an apprentice or if you're maybe a graduate or you're you you know you're, you're just quite young and you've just joined a company, you need to understand the cultural pieces. Getting on with others is obviously a big part of working in an office, but also how do you do your job? How do you use the equipment now? And, I don't know. I, I do wonder actually how many of my own team have never used a printer and we work in the IT team. Have they ever printed anything off? Well, I, I'm, I'm curious on this one.
0: Well, there you go. There's, there's your experiment from when you're back from your course is, can you use the laser printer? I mean, part of this is it's good to question established mores in a workplace. You know, do you need to be printing that? You know, that's, this is a genuine thing. You know, When I started working the NHS on the IT side of things, you know, there were managers that would print every email. And I bet there's still managers that, that they do that
1: you're talking to the guy who runs the IT budget i question everybody that uses the printer and why why do we have so many can we have less printers but no, i'm just I'm, a, I'm i'm curious actually to ask my own team of circa 80 people how many people have used a printer in the last 6 months and see how many hands up i get
0: yeah it's interesting and i think it's the kind of thing you want to keep an eye on that yeah workplace cultures exist for a reason workplace workplace cultures can occasionally be quite toxic you know particularly in i would have thought construction mechanics you know supplies you know tracking things that i would stereotype you know up, rightly or wrongly you know workers into university also has its own particular culture which could be considered you know maybe not always the most progressive in some ways you know the cultural norms exist for a reason and they should be challenged and i think this is a good thing in a way that you have got incoming workers you know who who are struggling and maybe that we should take a look at our our practices and the ways of working and and try and improve things for all of us because it's not just gen z gen z that would be struggling with this. chances are you know bob who's been in the country 30 years actually struggled with this at the beginning as well and you know we should be thinking about that
1: no i agree i also think it's quite interesting i was listening to a podcast the decoder podcast which i've mentioned many times i think they actually had the ceo of xerox on and they were talking about self service printers and using ai and apps so that they can give the person on site this app get get them to install an app and then actually do some self-diagnostics on the printer using the app so that when they dispatch an engineer they can make sure the engineer is fully briefed on what's wrong rather than the engineer turn up and go oh i haven't got the right bits i'll come back in three days the engineer turns up with the right the, the right pieces and it was just quite timely that you've you've then put this in today because they were talking a bit around that of well, how do you get people uncomfortable installing apps on their phone to install an app to to do the printer diagnostics
0: yeah, it's an interesting topic, and I think it's one we want to keep an eye on and come back to. I don't want to spend too much time tonight talking about it, but I genuinely think it's interesting about workplace culture, particularly in the pandemic uh, and new workers coming in, students or apprentices or whatever they are, and how they react to these tools that we become so, we, you and I, and others of our, of our, of our piece and then the positions we are have become so sort of normalized to you.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of companies have seen it. You know, last year predominantly of people just leave their job and join another company because the, the pay is better. Doesn't matter what the culture is like because I'm just sat at home in my shed, at my dining room table, in my bedroom, whatever it may be. And actually, the culture is irrelevant. And actually, I think companies are realizing now that they do need to stand out and they've got to carry on doing the culture, have a nice office to go to, because people do want to be in the office and do want that culture. They don't just want to be a minion working from home, doing that. And they do want companies to have differentiators.
0: Yeah. And I'm worried we're going to go along on this, but I've, I've had a thought about people who retire and what they do miss is the social aspect of work. You know, that, that that is such a critical part of what you do. You don't just do your job. You're with your team. You're with, you, you know, you're with people who've struggled for the same thing that you have a lot of the time. And I think that is a huge thing to lose because just you know how many pe- older people lose you know potentially a, a, a loved one or a family member or something like that, but they're actually losing their their culture of how they've how they've lived their lives and it's work is such a huge part of your life for the last 20, 30, 40 years, however long you have been doing it. It's just a thought.
1: I, I agree with you because you have friends, you you know what makes each other tick. You you know that that person likes a cup of tea and you can have a laugh and a joke. And then suddenly you retire and you, you don't see those 20 people anymore. You just see your partner or you maybe you're on your own. So, yeah, I think retiring can be scary for some. I mean, you can see why people maybe carry on working for longer, not just because they need the money, but because they actually enjoy it. And it is, it's their life, it's their culture.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Good. That's, that was a useful
1: discussion, I think. That's,
0: that's worth thinking about. The second thing I want to talk about, and I don't think we'll go very long with this, I just think it's an acute observation that I kind of want to report back. And I also think this might cause us to lose our clean tag on this podcast. So I apologise in advance. If there's any young children listening, please cover their ears just for the next 30 seconds while I read this out. So... This comes from Corey Doctorow, who is a renowned blogger and open source advocate and represented the Electronic Frontier Foundation for many, many years. Talked about him on this podcast before in relation to the framework laptop. He likes open source everything. And he's coined this term about the decay process for online platforms, cover your kid's ears, to which he referred, refers to as "inshitification." And I'll read the quote in its entirety. First, he writes, They are good to their users. These are the online platforms. Then they abuse their users to make things better for their business customers. Finally, they abuse those business customers to claw back all the value for themselves. And you could think that's quite profound. That cycle of, you know, create the users by being good to them, abuse the users by making things better for everybody else in the platform, their businesses, and finally abuse those business customers to get the, the value back for themselves. And think of the way we've just talked about Apple and services and things appearing. And I think this cover your kid's ears again, and certification is really quite a profound statement.
1: This is like the three stages of, of, of a service in essence. Yeah. I mean,
0: the example that the the Guardian article gives, not not his own thing. He talks about TikTok, primarily Cory Doctorow, in his own article. Is Try shopping for the best multimeter on Amazon. Once you buy a buy word for an efficient online experience, you're immediately confronted by your sponsored results, i.e. the ones the vendor has paid Amazon to highlight. Once upon a time, Facebook and Twitter showed you stuff from your friends and followers. And now you get a torrent of things that the platform's algorithms, algorithms think might increase your engagement. The, like I say, the more you think about this, you, the more you see it going on everywhere.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree isn't it? It's all about getting yeah, a nice big juicy market, getting all your advertisers and then milking everybody for what they're worth. That's, that is a business model because everybody's challenged to deliver growth.
0: Yeah. You know, you've got your captive market and that's us Apple users in our walled garden, we're a captive market. It's not easy to transfer it to something else. And actually transferring to something else is just the same thing again.
1: Do you think this term will be coined and became, <laughs> entered into the Oxford English Dictionary?
0: Well, I kind of hope it does because it's, it, it coins very well the process that goes on. And once you're aware of the sort of three steps and you start, step back and you look cynically at almost every tech platform, they all do it. From Microsoft to Amazon to Apple to Google to Meta to pick pick one. They're, they're somewhere in this, you know, let's look at Twitter. You know, they're somewhere in this cycle and it's quite, Again, it's a cute commentary and observation that I can get behind.
1: Do you think we'd have a resurgence of, you know, 20 years from now, Apple going, you know what, we're going to remove all the ads, we're going to have a premium experience, and that's going to be our our thing that sets us apart from the competition, you know, that we're going to hang our hat on? Would you (laughs) think it's just going to get worse?
0: I think they have an opportunity to do so, but the problem is, and not to get too socialist about the whole thing, capitalism. This makes money. You need to be responsible to your shareholders. You need to do these steps at the moment. That's how you get the value. That's what you're going to do.
1: Yeah. And if you take it away, what do you replace it with? Because you're going to have a hole in your spreadsheet.
0: Yeah. And that's a problem. If you think of the Apple results that we report on so diligently here, you know, every time there's a problem with that, they don't hit a forecast. The share price falls and somebody gets held up for that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. I've, I, I do see it, yeah. I don't know what to say on it, to be honest, because I think this guy's hit it on the head.
0: No, I I agree. And, you know, I, I quite like the phrase, the inexorable degradation of our online environment and our passive, sullen acceptance of that. It's just food for thought. It's quite
1: strong words, isn't it?
0: It it, it is. But, you know, as somebody, Corey cares about, you know, the freedom on the internet because he sees the internet grew because of freedom. You know, you had the researchers from the original DARPA project that that released it. You have people like Tim Berners-Lee that made HTML and and, and web servers open source. All the open source things that have been built on that and how these closed platforms make use of these open ideals to actually build their little walled gardens. So you can understand why he's so bitter about the whole thing and that bitterness comes over in his writing and in this article but it's hard to argue with it really because you see it repeating
1: itself I do struggle a bit though with the Guardian's website when there's so many adverts on it
0: I, I, I can't disagree and even as a Guardian subscriber I had one popped up so you know and is a thing that's happening here everywhere
1: it's just strangely steeped in irony isn't it especially after his the second paragraph there's a big advertisement block and it's it's, the timing like it could scarcely be any better
0: yeah anyway that's your food for thought for the week and i'd be interested if listeners have any opinions on this to sort of put back into us to talk over in further episodes but a thought-provoking article we've got a bit of a
1: yeah thought-provoking main show today
0: we have. I think we'll sli- we'll finish up pretty quickly, I think, because we're going long. So we don't have a listener question this week, so I will fire straight into my app of the week, which I'm worried I've talked about before in this podcast, but I think it's so good it's worth mentioning again. So it's called Rectangle at rectangleapp.com. And all it does is it pops a little extra functionality into your Mac's user space, where it will let you do some of the things that Windows and Linux users are used to. On a Mac, if you want to split screen an app, that's relatively easy. You click and hold the green icon and it will let you put something on the left. And then I'll let you put something on the right, and that's as far as it goes. In Windows, if you drag things to one side of the screen, it will give you a grey outline of where that window is going to be. Is it going to take up a third of the screen? Is it going to take up half the screen? Dominate the top half, whatever. This will let you do that for So You have a lot more control about where Windows will auto-snap to, and it won't just get a 50% side-by-side view, which is particularly ridiculous if you've got a big widescreen. So it's a very efficient use of your time. It's not a tiling manager, a tiling window manager, which I'm still fairly keen to try someday. I think you can do a lot with tiling window managers, but this is very flexible. It gives you a lot more stuff going on with your windows and a lot of m- window management. It's not very expensive to get the pro version of it. And if, you've, if you're if you coming from Windows or just want a little more control over where your window's go on the screen, I think Rectangle's a good show.
1: Uh Yeah, it looks interesting. I was just having a look around the developer's website. That person has written a lot of utility apps. They all look quite cool. I quite like the style of the icons as well looks really good
0: yeah it's well thought out. i quite like it and it's worked it's been bulletproof for me it hasn't gone wrong and i can do a lot more things with it which i quite like i have you know gradually fallen in some of the ways windows has done things the mac windowing environment isn't 100% great all the time and this just sort of improves it a little bit at the time
1: yeah and do you know what i was with somebody using windows 11 the other day and the way you could just drag the window and then you could pick how you want your windows tiled it was like how does my iPad not do that? It just looked fantastic. So I do think they've got some great ideas.
0: Yep, and it's not bad to copy them sometime, Apple. You know, you can you could look over the other side and go, actually, that's done better than what we've done up to now. Because Stage Manager ain't it.
1: For those of you that remember, I think it was Tiger or Lion. The, uh, Apple ran the, the tagline at the developers conference, Richmond, which is where Microsoft is based, start your photocopy is now, i.e. copy everything we're doing. I think Apple could do some the other way, to be fair.
0: Agree. That's my app of the week.
1: Okay, so i got something different for Thing of the Week this week. I thought long and hard about it. and actually I've gone with a new album that's come out. So I was listening to The Lathams, I think I pronounced that correctly, and the new album they've got out is From Nothing to a Little Bit More. I've not heard much of their previous album, but I was just really enjoying it and I thought, you know what, if someone wants to try out some new music by a British band, I'm really enjoying it and would would recommend.
0: Nice. It's, it's good to mix it up and have a musical recommendation. I will add that to my playlist and I'll, I'll follow it, up.
1: It may not be for you, but I just quite enjoyed it. And I must confess, I'm struggling to engage new bands. I listen to new releases from bands that I've listened to in my in my library, but I find it hard to get some new bands that I enjoy. So I was trying just to branch out a little bit.
0: I'm, I'm going to make us longer. I'm just going to say I found a YouTube clip of a guy who did 80 guitar intros in chronological order so from robert johnson in 1946 or 1951 all the way through to the arctic monkeys i think from memory one after the other guitar intros it is a phenomenal thing and i made a, an apple playlist based on it. i was so impressed i will send you and we'll put a link to it in the show notes as well because it's terrific
1: i do that sounds good
0: it's really impressive i think we can call that a show
1: i think we have gone long and that is a show so look, if anybody wants to get in contact We're both on Mastodon. Rod is at g5maniac at masterdon.scott. I am at underscore cjp at masterdon.social. Or you can email us at wakefromsleep at protonmail.com. If anyone wants to ask us any questions or got anything you'd like us to talk about, let us know and we'd love to have your feedback. Until next week, see you soon. Have a good break, Chris. Cheers, Rob.